This is MIR Meets, a podcast where we sit down with guests from across the globe to better understand current affairs. We are your hosts, Bernice Coulignon and Victoria Ponte. Today we sit down with Jennifer Pedraza, a Colombian student leader who was heavily involved in the 2018 and 2019 protest for better public education and overall services across the country. We discussed the student protests from the last couple of years, Jennifer's political trajectory as a student representative, the challenges she faced, and what motivates her to keep fighting for what she believes in. And here's Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Berenice. I'm very happy to be today talking to you. We were wondering if you could briefly introduce yourself. Okay, so my name is Jennifer. I'm an economist. I graduated from the National University. That's like the main public university um, in Colombia. I'm studying, I'm currently studying a master in economics as well. Well, I live in Bogota and, and I'm also a student's representative to the higher council of my university. That's like the, um, like the council that decides like the main stuff about my university. I was elected by direct vote from all the students in my university. What did you do before getting into politics? How did it start? Um, because I, I was studying political, political science before in the National University. Then I changed my career, but in that time, um, feeling of my of my of the building of where I was studying in, in my in National University fell down because of the rain or the winter um, season. And I was like, okay, we, we cannot just stop here and, and keep starring at our university falling apart. We have to do something because, because there, are, there are other people that want to go into higher, higher education and they don't have money to pay for private higher education. So in that sense, the, the public um, education is really important for me and not only for me because I'm already in, you know, I already graduate, graduated, but I'm talking about all those children and the next generation that they want to study. And many of them don't have like 22 million Colombian pieces, pesos, that's, that's a lot of money here. It's like 22 minimum wages per semester. So they don't have that to pay for educational fees. So we decided to march, <laughs> we decided to march to ask for the to the government for more budget to public education. And that's how it started. Basically, um, a ceiling fell on me and on my partners are at, at National University. And I also was wondering if that's what's happening in Bogota, what's happening in Chocó and in all like, um, like the, the regions on, I don't know what to say, like the more apartment. rural areas. Yeah, like the more rural, rural areas. Area. Yes, 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 yes. I'm talking about La Guajira, for example. And I realized that fighting for public education isn't enough because it is part of a political conception of our country of what what is the role of Colombia in, for example, international political order. For example, some of our politicians say, say that Colombia is not a country that can produce like new knowledge or research. 
that we only have to consume basically what other countries produce. And I, I really think we have a lot to, to offer to the world, but it, we only can do that if our universities have budget. So you mentioned that you started by protesting in um, 2017-2018. Um, so we were wondering if you could talk to us about kind of the social setting in which um, the protest started. It was, I believe, like 2018 um, presidential election was really important and was something that made it possible, you know, because we had a generation full of, I don't know, political ideas. We were like so desperate because we couldn't believe that democracy was only about voting um, every four years and that's all. In 2018, we had, we had, um, really difficult presidential scenario because there were like three options and there were like two of them they, they had a lot of strength in the youth so it was like Fajardo and Pedro's proposal, proposal and they both lost so I mean we both lost because you know Ivan Duque actual current president um, he won the election and we just couldn't believe that we were like, oh, all right, we we're going to have to stand all the, all of, all of his view of our country. We believed, and I, I still do believe that we have to act and we cannot only keep waiting for each vote for every four years to vote different. We have a lot of things to do. Meanwhile, so we decided to um, make like the public opinion start speaking about how how was the situation of the public education? And we found a, a society that was willing to talk about it. You know, everybody wanted to, I mean, my grandmother, yes, yeah, she was like marching with me. And she used to vote for those that were, that won the election, but everybody was like, okay, we can't stand that the ceilings of the public higher education institutions are just falling apart. I believe it was like this kind of, the moment we lost the presidential election, we were like, okay, we, I think we can do more. And that was what happened. Um, and this leads me to um, uh, ask you another question. What exactly are your end goals as a student leader? And how do you plan on achieving them? All right, so I believe that higher education and every level of education is a human right. It's a fundamental human right. In that sense, it cannot exclude any person because of the, I don't know, class they belong to or the gender or maybe like the race. So we cannot exclude anybody from getting to the higher education. We cannot tell them they cannot do that because um, it's a fundamental human right. And it's an end itself. It's not only about getting a better job, uh, which I want to, which I believe it's also a, a, an end of education, but it's about having access to the knowledge that as a human um, kind, we have all accumulated and created. It's not something that is from one or another that what Newton did, that what Einstein did. I believe everybody has to be able to get to that knowledge. So in that sense, I'm not against private higher education institutions. I believe it also can you know, attend some people that can get to public universities. But I do believe that the main effort from the 
from the state has to be like financing the public universities because we don't have to pay anything i, I mean we don't yes we pay it but it's like symbolic right um and it, it allows us to to go to universities where you can see people from every class and so you can see people that are you know like the son and daughter of any um entrepreneur but you can also find someone that i don't know is the first person that has ever go to a higher education institution so i believe that's something that we have to take into account so that's what i what i think is the end and the, the main conception of our struggle right but and how do i plan to get to that so we have a lot of trouble here we have a lot of problems in that in that end but i think the main problem right now is um, budget and i don't know like public you know, education financing that's the main debate also right now we have um we have a strong problem with the government because they believe they believe that it's wrong for the state to have a, an active role in public higher education they believe that um it can be understood as a market of any goods and services and it is a service right but it is also a fundamental human right there is a constant pressure over fiscal deficit and they are always saying that we have to spend i don't know always less spend less spend less and one of the parts of the of the public expenditure is, is um education so if they always have to lower the fiscal deficit then they have to like cut cuts over the public budget for our universities so how do I plan to get that? And how do we plan to get that? Like first asking for more for more finance, public finance to our universities. That's really like the main problem we have. We don't have money even to pay for even soap in the bathroom, so we can wash our hands right now in our in middle of the pandemic. Um, we don't have money to pay for our our teachers or for our professors. They're always fighting for for their their wages. In 2018, we, we won 4.5 billion pesos for public universities. So I believe we like we advanced, we, we won that battle. It's not like the entire war for, for public education, but we won that battle. And without the money, we wouldn't have been able to open in the pandemic because we were like attending a lot of problems, you know, public health problems. Our universities, they have, they have hospitals, right? For for like these health careers, we were attending a lot of people that were literally dying, and we we I'm talking about universities. If we wouldn't have won that money in 2018, we wouldn't have been able to do that. So I'm really proud of of what we won in 2018. To speak about the 2018 protests. I mean, it was kind of all over the headlines and uh, we were wondering what kind of tactics um, were used to try and shut down these protests. First of all, they tried to ignore us. It's like, there's nothing happening over here and we were marching every, and we were on, on strike for, for three months. And we were marching every Thursday. Every Thursday we were marching and there was like 
million of million people on the streets like asking for for public finance to to go to the um, higher education institutions that were on state on state and that was like their their first first option but then it was like unsustainable to keep doing that because of the media we really we went to like the main um tv shows and we were like expressing all all our demands and i really have to say i studied a lot <laughs> in that moment a lot more than in every every other situation because we have to we had to argue against the government and we had to um you know show a lot of knowledge that we that we already had we already had in the moment but you know it was always difficult to write them down write it down and to do it in a good way so we can so we can um talk to a lot of people and i don't know like win their their minds and their hearts you know to our movement so uh, after that government the government um asked asked for um negotiation so um we we elected some students and some professors we weren't alone over there there were also um professors by our side also the, like the directors or directors of the public universities they were also marching by our side and they are not elected directly by the students or professors not they are elected by the government but even they were marching by our side because there wasn't enough money to open the other year you know like 2019 we weren't gonna have open public universities because we didn't have enough budget to do that it was a struggle for the public opinion so the government was like oh my god they are asking for so much we don't have enough money to do that we are a poor state we don't have enough budget you know that that, that speech and we were like showing them that we can take money from these pays we can take money from these colombia implemented um demand driven uh, system called serpilo paga like being smart pays it was about giving poor people this kind of loans that they can not pay if they graduate in the time that the curriculum says. But we are talking about taking like the poor people that wants to get to higher education and instead of giving them a public university where they have nothing to pay for, where they don't have any fees at all, instead of that, a loan. And that's how, for example, United States actually currently organizes their higher education system but it was it was really expensive for colombia it was about 3.3 billion pesos colombianos for that program that only benefit 40,000 students instead of that for example public universities have a budget of 3.6 billion i mean it's really similar and public universities attend 600,000 students so it was really expensive money was not a problem for that kind of programs like being smart pace, but money was a problem when when we asked for finance for our universities, right? So in that sense, I believe we won the public opinion. And then they, not the government, I don't know who did it, but some people threatened me and a lot of students that were like in this kind of leadership. I can't imagine what it must feel like to be directly threatened. That was something hard. First of all, I I hid it from my parents. They didn't know about anything because they would have been really angry at me and they would have said like, 
okay, you have to leave that kind of activism. But I, I actually felt like everybody was so supportive to me, you know, like students and um, Colombian people in the streets, I mean, in the, in the malls, people were like, oh no, we love you, you have to keep doing that. So I was like, okay, okay. It's, it's been hard, but, but I think it made like all the people in Colombia to, to uh, I don't know, everybody was endorsing, endorsing maybe like our movement because of that. But we, for example, nowadays, currently, I still have like these guards every day by my side because it also happened in 2019. Colombia and Ecuador and Chile had a lot of protests going. And I was also in that protest. I had an important participation leadership in that social movement of 2018. In that time, I was also uh, threatened. So I still have those kind of words, words with me all the time. I have to be in this car that is, for example, if someone shoots at it, it, can, it can't get to me. So I really wish that in Colombia, we didn't have to do that thing. We didn't have to, like social leaders, we shouldn't have to have kind of hearts over us all the time. It's really uncomfortable. And it's, it's like sad to know to know that's happening, right? For example, in Bogota, I am once again asking, what about the social leaders that are in the rural areas and that they don't have like these kind of facilities? I, I believe I do have. Why are people, why do you think people are threatening you? Well, Colombia has been, a, has had a tough history. You know, we had a, a war, a civil war over here until like 2014 with some guerrillas and um, the government. So the party I belong to, we have always fighted against the government, but also against guerrillas. We don't believe that the changes in Colombia uh, must be through violence. We believe violence didn't solve anything. It only made it harder, you know? Yeah, sometimes people in the malls are like, yeah, we love you. But some other times they are like, okay, so you are from FARC or you are from LLN, that were the guerrillas in Colombia. LN is still a, uh, an active guerrilla. So we still have to, we still have that burden that comes from that. So I've always been really hard against that kind of speech about violence. I've always been against that, against violence, against violence. So I think that idea is difficult to, to uh, sustain in Colombia. It's difficult. You're always in risk in that sense, but also, you know, um, the government is really, it's not fair in, in, the, in the play. I don't know. They play dirty. Yeah, <laughs> they play dirty. So for example, this is one thing that really freaked me out. You know, one of the um, Congresswoman, yeah, from the political party that, act, that currently has the president, you know, Ivan Duque is from El Centro Democrático. That's his party. And one congresswoman from that party, she tweeted that I was from LLN. For example, Uribe, who was president from 2002 to 2010, I believe, 2010. He tweeted again that I was some guerrillero's wife. Not some, there's Timochenko that was like the like the leader of the park, the 
esposa querida, he said, I was Timocheng's wife in, in Twitter, in Twitter, with my photograph. So I believe those kind of things. I believe uh, if you ask me who I think threatened me, I really don't know, but I think it has to do with those ideas that I was fighting against a government, a government that plays dirty with things like this, that tends to link opposition with guerrillas when we are not, when we, are not, we don't have anything to do with them. You briefly mentioned that this was really common in Colombia for social leaders to be targeted. Do you think this is probably something that contributes to this, like trying to directly tie any opposition to the guerrillas? Yeah, I think it's, it's a strategy. Yeah, I don't believe it's like a mistake or whatever. No. Don't believe that. So when you say that, when you say I am part, for example, of a guerrilla, everybody is going to believe I'm that kind of person that that is violent, like they like they have had people in their family that were murdered by guerrilleros. So you instantly like stop hearing to me because I am that those kind of guys, right? That did that things to their family. So I think it's a strategy. I don't believe it's a mistake and it's a way to make the social movement weaker. After receiving yes. death threats and seeing the fake news being spread about you, what motivates you to keep going? Well, first of all, I don't want them to win this battle. I don't, I don't want to give them like that victory. And second of all, because I felt really supported by the by Colombian people and we won like this academic debate. We also won that. And every Thursday, there was even more people marching by our side than the past Thursday. And there was another tactic that the government used. They liked to tend our sessions and they wanted it to wear out us. So, because we were always, we were already in strike. So we, we didn't have like um, endless time for this struggle. So, you know, like time was against us. So the government was always trying to, to make those, those negotiations longer than they had to be. Another thing I didn't tell you is that, you know, police brutality was something that was always around our marches. I have to say that some students were really angry. So they were also, you know, aggressive, right? But it was something marginal compared to the to the police brutality that was something systematic and that was something constant in our it's something constant today today this. Recently I heard that you had a call with the manager of Pink Floyd. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that story. Okay, that was one of the supportive events, but there were there were a lot, you know, Residente, for example, like um, Calle 13, he also came here and gave concert. Okay, he gave the concert. And we were invited over there. So we talked with him, like in the stage, it was amazing. And with Roger Waters, he was the one that came here to El Campino. And he was the one that came to Colombia. And, you know, her manager, um, he texted my one of my friends, that's Alejandro Palacio. He was a student's representative with me. And uh, they gave us this kind of golden tickets to their, to their concert. And then we talked and then he was like, okay, I don't know if I can support 
students, why are you marching? So I so I told everything I'm, I've told you here. A little bit more prepared because I like wrote it down. I don't know. I was so nervous in that in that time. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. But I really want to know political. How is this press? I don't. I want to know like politically. How is this government? And I was with a friend because you know I'm not like. It's been a long since I haven't practiced English. It was like school. <laughs> so I was with this friend that, that saved us. And he he said that Duque was exactly like Margaret Thatcher or, or Ronald Reagan. And I believe that's a, a great description of Duque. Then Roger Waters said like, okay, because he asked for my guitar and I was considering give, giving him my guitar or, or not. So we were like, okay, don't do that, please. Don't, don't give him your guitar. So he didn't do that, and after that he um, he had a giant poster that had that said "We do need more education," and it was signed but by these students organization, um, and it was like okay, I support students, and in that moment, for example, all the stadium started to sing like what we sing on the marches, on the marches, yeah, and everybody, you know, it was like um, I'm telling you, like. 600,000 people sing that song in this in this Pink Floyd concert. It was like one of the best moments of my life. So I believe it was like one of the best days of my life, actually. You definitely received support from all over the place. Oh, yes. And all over the planet, you know, Roger Waters has been like supporting a lot of social um, movements all around the world. Um, so now in 2021, would you say that your actions have paid off? Totally. I graduated from my undergrade in 2018, 2019. And I was really um, happy, you know, to, to leave our university in, better, in, better, in a better condition than what we, that the way we received it. If we wouldn't have won that money, our universities would be nowadays broken, broken at all. My little sister, you know, she wanted to study in, in national university. And I was always, since I was like in my first semester, like, okay, we have to keep this going. We have to defend our university in a, in a sense that our little siblings are gonna be able to have this university open for them. And I believe it has really paid off and I wouldn't have, it's been hard, you know, but it's also been like the most, like the biggest achievement of my life. I don't have any doubt of that. Nowadays, we, you know, it's, we haven't won at all. We have a lot of things going on and we have a lot of struggles today. Nowadays, because we signed an, an agreement with the government, we signed an agreement in 2018 and the government has, they haven't followed it. You know, they have, given our, our universities um, more money as we signed it, as we agreed, yes? But we had a lot, of team, a lot of other things in the agreement that government has not been following them and has not been doing them, like the reality. For example, like financing science and technology. So we signed in 2018 that the budget for science and technology should like be, should grow in 300,000 million pesos in each year and the government didn't do that so we have been even struggling for government to do that agreement 
I believe it's like 60% that they have accomplished, but not all the agreement. We also um, agreed to try to reform the general higher education law. That's the Ley 30, like 30 law. And it's like the agenda, you know, that's like the next things we have to do. We have to reform that law. So it's not only for every government to decide how many, how much budget they're going to, they're going to give for higher education, that we have to change that law. That's in the agenda for the next students, because, you know, I'm going to graduate now this year, this year from my master's. So, so I'm not going to be here for that, but I believe I've, I've also been working on leaving some students that that have this information and you know like teaching them how to do these things or all the things i i learned in these like four years and so i believe we have a generation that's ready to get this flag you're somewhat passing the torch to them like yes yeah in that yeah i'm really passing the torch to them now that you're about to graduate from your master's, where do you see yourself in the next five years? I'm talking with my party because I do believe that social movement has to like move on and, and actively participate in politics. I mean, in Congress is where the laws are made, right? So if we have to, if we want to change sometimes, some kind of, I don't know, like the status quo right here, if we want to change the the main policies that that are applied today in Colombia, I believe we have to jump over there. So I would really like to be over there. I would be really happy to do that because I I love like discussing with the government. <laughs> it's something I really like because they're always saying like these false ideas and they they are not academically grounded. But um, you know, they they in Colombia we have a really difficult problem i believe everybody like sells their votes not everybody but a lot of a lot of the, the colombian population sells their votes so they don't vote like rationally they don't decide rationally where they're gonna vote, vote for but i hope i hope that's gonna be extended in this election because the government has been really really unpopular so so that's what i where do i see me i have like two kind of ideas for where I'm going to be in five years. One of them, I would like, I would really love to be a professor in my university. I would really love that. So I would have to get a PhD. And the other option is to run for, a, for an election, for a Congress election. As someone who has ambitions in going more, I guess, formally into government, where do you see Colombia in 10 years? Or where would you like to see it? I'm gonna talk over here as an economist. We have to have to raise our GDP, develop our industries, you know, our industrial production. We are so focused on primary goods like uh, coal and like oil, for example, that all is always leaving us in a low position in the international market. We cannot be over here anymore, and that's what, for example, South Korea did. And in 30 years, they rose their GDP in a way that nobody has ever seen before. I think we can we can walk that path. We have to save our entrepreneurs. It's really I'm asking over here for more capitalism, for more capitalism because we don't have that. Even our our industrial entrepreneurs are going into breakdowns. They're going in break. So um, I believe the state 
I think they should get a lot of support from the state. And that's something we are not getting. And in that sense, as the entrepreneurs are going into break, then they are firing people. So we have a lot of unemployment. So we have a lot of informality in the labor market. And in that sense, I do believe like that production is one of the main concerns of, of whoever wins the presidential election in 2020. But that is something I would really like to fight for, you know, like the, I don't know, productive development of Colombia. Yes, that is something we have to do. Um, and finally, we wanted to ask you, what advice would you give for young people who are interested in becoming politically involved? So I believe uh, we have, I don't know, as social leaders, we have to always be linked or attached to like this, to the people, to the people that we are trying to represent. I, I was really worried because I was like negotiating with the government. I didn't want the people, I didn't want people to feel like we were letting them down or back, you know, and I didn't want them to feel that. I didn't want them to feel like fighting for something is, isn't gonna change anything because that's the like generalized idea, you know? And I believe like the way we, we treated that was always being close to our people. We, we had this kind of meetings with the students in the, um, in the bigger auditorium in our university that's called El Leon de Grave. It's, uh, you know, there were like 4,000 students over there every week. So we were always over there, like telling them, telling them, this is how the negotiation is going. These are the proposals we're gonna make. These are our arguments. What do you think we can, um, we could say, could additionally say so i believe that's that's like the most important thing and it, globally <laughs> i don't know it would be that, that we can change things sometimes we see the story the history like oh no that was very important and we see that like really apart really really far away from us but we are writing our story right now our history we're writing it down so like the next generations are gonna speak and study what we're doing now so we can can change these these kind of things that we think they're are, are wrong. We did, and we kept doing that because in 2019, as I told you, we were once again in the streets marching for our rights, and I believe we're gonna do that um, one more time, or the time's gonna be necessary. Thank you so much for giving us a bit of your time. This was really interesting. I think you're definitely an inspiration to, to many people and you're very brave, you know, to be de dealing with everything you're dealing with. Thank you. I know I, I, I have only grateful feelings for all the students in Colombia that, you know, decided to go to the streets and to ask for a little bit more. Thank you for listening and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the McGill International Review for more up-to-date insights and analysis of global issues and international affairs.